Hey, well, good morning, everybody. I am ready for church. Hey, real quick, before we get into the message today, you know, this week was a really big week in our church. Um, man, we celebrated the 22nd anniversary of the launching of this movement we call Stone Creek. Come on. And it has been wild 22 years. Uh, one guy that was in our services I don't, has been here for the entire 22 years. Don't want to call him out, but his name is Jack Boyd. Um, and so Jack was here actually when at, he was at Johnson Ferry with his wife, Monica. They had three kids and man, they decided to make the move to come over and help start uh, Stone Creek to come to a church that never had a service before, had, never had a kids program, man. And it's guys like that that just made this, uh, man, what it has been. And I really believe that, man, his name, while we may, he may never stand on a stage, his name is written in heaven. Amen. And that's the kind of, yeah, come on. That's the kind of people you are. That's the kind of people that we are. And we, uh, you know, I remember he taught kindergarten for years back here on the hallway. And my son, John, who's my youngest son, um, he was in his kindergarten class. And so uh, now John is 23 something like that. Um, John is dressed my same over here. And so, but, but people like Jack Boy, like his name is written on John's heart because of the level of service, the way he taught him and the way he poured into his life. And so what an honor it has been uh, to serve with many of you for a long period of time, some longer than others, but it doesn't matter whether it's one day or 22 years. Amen. Man, we have just seen God do so much. And, you know, there's the old cliche that the best is yet to come, but I'll say it a little differently. Hey, we're not done yet. Man, we really believe the way God's aligning things and the opportunities that he's given us, whether it's, uh, man, the, the energy and the level of engagement from our now gen ministry down here on the front row. I like to call them out so everybody will watch them so they'll behave. No, I'm just kidding. These guys are amazing and God's going to do great things with them in the years to come. You just wait. And uh, with that and the resources and the other things that God's put together, man, we just really feel like we're ready to take some aggressive steps and so excited about the future and got a lot of energy around what we want to be the kind of church that never settles for one person being lost. Amen. Man, we're not that kind of church. One marriage being broken, man, one person being addicted, one depressed, one suicidal, man, we don't ever want to settle and get comfortable. So that's just the kind of church we are. So if you're new here, Hey, we're glad you're here and we're here so that you can have an experience and we have fun, man, but we also do some stuff that's meaningful. And we really believe today God's going to do something in your heart. And so we're in this series called Eyes on the Shepherd. Now, for most of us in the room, I don't know that we have, none of us probably are shepherds. I, say, I guess technically I am. I'm a pastor, right, Terrence? I mean, I'm a shepherd, right? But, um, you know, technically we may not even know a shepherd, but this comes from some words that Jesus said. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And as he's teaching this, Jesus is reflecting back on an older part of the Bible that we read earlier today called Psalm 23, where it starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus is looking at those words. Now, now many of us may have heard these words. How many of us have heard these words, right? I mean, these are kind of, these are like the, you, you, may, you may have a, a, a painting or some art, piece of art in your house that has these words on it. You know, maybe when you went to your grandma's house when you were younger, she had these words over her mantle. Maybe, you know, you were at Hobby Lobby the other day and you bought this to go in your basement because you needed a place for that artwork to go. Or maybe it was North Fulton Community Charities, got it a little bit cheaper there, right? And so we've seen these words, the Lord is my shepherd. And it comes across, sometimes we look at it as a metaphor, and a metaphor is just when you equate two things that aren't similar just for purposes of comparison and symbolism. But what if? What if these words are actually more than a metaphor? 
And man, what if they're ammunition for us to be able to fight the battles of our lives? Man, what if it, these words give us the bearing that we need to make the best decisions and to navigate life? Like, like what if these words are more than a metaphor? Man, these words have been carved into prison walls that hang from hospital walls. And they've been quoted by the living and uttered by the dying. The Lord is my shepherd. The most unappreciated and underutilized words possibly in our lives. You see, in these words, the lonely have found a friend. The anxious have found still waters. The depressed have found a party. The fearful have found a fighting mentality. And in the lost, they have found a lighthouse. The Lord is my shepherd. So we're going to unpack what that means in our lives today. And what does God want to speak into? It's like you may be new to the faith or exploring the faith and you've never really heard these words. These words today we hope will come alive. I'll be able to unpack what they mean for us. You know, for some of us, we've heard these words for a long time. But they've lost a little bit of their meaning. They've lost a little bit of their luster. But maybe, just maybe, we need to put them back up to the top of our playlist when it comes to the Bible. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, if you would, grab your Bible. If you have a Bible, you know, Psalms is kind of right in the middle. You can kind of open the middle and you'll see some numbers and find 23 and go to Psalm chapter 23. It's also on the card that you have just conveniently today. And if you are new, hey, take this home. Put it on your desk. Put it on your computer stand. Put it in your car. And, uh, man, it's a great, great reminder for you to read that, Psalm 23. And I'm going to teach down through this whole psalm today, and I will get through. The first verse actually unpacks, is, is actually kind of sets the stage for what we're teaching. And then the rest of it um, is just explanation of the first verse. So we're going to start in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. So the first thing to recognize, right, is if we have a shepherd, then there's got to be some sheep, okay? So let's unpack a little bit about what a sheep is. Now, some of you grew up in church and this is what you heard, sheep are dumb. How many of you heard this, sheep are dumb? Come on, don't be ashamed. You're, you're sheep are dumb, right? If you didn't hear it, maybe you're dumb. No, I'm kidding. But um, sheep are dumb. We've heard this. That's not really true, okay? That, that's actually just, that's what, you know, pastors do that sometimes just to make their point. They leverage the truth a little bit. I've never done that, but other pastors do that. But um, sheep are not necessarily dumb. They're actually pretty intelligent. Man, they're highly social. They've got a pretty good memory. Sheep are actually pretty smart, but here's what sheep need. Sheep need direction, Sheep need direction because, because sheep will just walk in the same rut over and over and over and over again until they get trapped. They'll eat in the same field until it's a desert. Man, they'll just, they'll stay in the same place until it becomes poisonous for them. If one sheep walks up to a cliff and walks over, guess what the other sheep do? They walk over the cliff. Like, we're not like sheep in that way, are we? Do, do we actually follow other people? Listen, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. You remember you were in middle school and you wanted to go to that party and you said, mom, I want to go to that party. And, and, and then she said, no. And what'd you say? But mom, everybody else is going exactly, you bunch of sheep. Like we know this. Like we all do it. We've all done it, man. We all know what it's like to follow. We all know what it's like to want to do what other people are doing. And we will do it right off the cliff just like sheep. Another example of that today, Super Bowl Sunday. 
Super Bowl, I don't see any jerseys in here. That's pretty amazing because um, all our teams lost. Um, you can always wear a Georgia jersey, any service, right? But so Super Bowl Sunday, companies are going to pay $7 million for a 30-second ad. Why? Because we will buy what they're selling. It will be some new flavored, newfangled version of a poisonous Dorito, but we're going to get it because <laughs> they told us to. You know, I mean, there's another, another thing. This word that has come up, we've invented this new word. You know what it's called? Influencers. Why is it called influencers? Because it influences people to buy things. Leaders influence people to do things. And we will buy things, sell things. That's why they can make so much money. Is because if they post it, people will buy it or that people will think that way. It's just, it's natural. Now, some of you, many of us are leaders in a lot of different ways. You lead in your home, you lead in your company. But in so many ways, we need direction. Where do you need direction today? Like, the Lord is my shepherd, tells us that we can have direction. We can have direction for the things that matter in life. We can have direction for the things that will last, the things that will actually bring us what we want, which brings me to the next phrase in this verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I sh oh, no, 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 sorry. I don't want to go there yet. Back up. So where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, this is really important to understand too. So, so this is David who's writing this, which is pretty interesting. David was the king. He was the stereotypical king in the nation of Israel. He's the one that they always look to as the good old days. He was the king. David started out as a shepherd boy. As a shepherd boy, they pulled him from the field. He was probably between 10 and 12, taking care of some sheep. They pulled him from the field, anointed him as king. He became a warrior. He led some special forces for a little while as they protected the nation of Israel. And, he, and then he led the nation of Israel into battle. And then he became the king. And as the king, he's reflecting back all the decades of following God, all the battles he fought, all the times he was down, all the valleys he'd walked through. And what does he look at the shepherd the Lord is my shepherd this is what was important to David this was the key to David's faith this is why David could rush the field and tackle and conquer the giant named Goliath this is why David when when his son dies he could have hope because he knew that the Lord was his shepherd and he doesn't just use some generic word for God here he says Lord and if you look at it in your Bible it's all four letters, L-O-R-D, are all capitalized. Now, in the Bible, there are a lot of titles for God. You know, there's, he's the Lord of angel armies. In other words, he's leading the angel armies into battle. He, he's the great creator. He's created everything that we see and know. Man, he's the great provider. He provides what we need. Those are all titles, much like you have different titles in your life. Like I've got, a, I've got a list of titles, right? I'm a pastor, I'm a CEO, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son, but I've got one name and that's Stephen Lee Gibbs. And in the Bible, God one time gives his name and it's this name right here, the Lord. It means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And the key to understanding this and why it was so crucial for David is it just shows that God is un changeable. God is unchangeable. And in such a world, we have so much change. And do you know that in the last two years, we have uncovered 90% of the information that is available that we currently have on hand. That's how fast information is coming at us. Life is changing, man. Your life is changing. You know what? You're not the same person you were when you got, when you, when you got married. 
that the person you're married to, they're not the same person they were when you got married. Your hairline has changed, your waistline has changed, your financial picture has changed, the mandates have changed. Everything changes. And we know, we desperately need a shepherd who is unchanging. The Lord, he is unchanging. Says the Lord, he is my shepherd. Now we get to the other part. I shall not want. Another way to say this is that I have all that I need. So David says, the Lord's my shepherd, I have all that I need. Another way to say this is I have no lack. Like, really? Don't need anything? Don't want anything? I don't know about you, but I always want. And it's summed up in one word, more, right? (laughs) Don't you just want more? People want more. We want more money. We want more houses. We want more cars. We want more sex. We want more entertainment. Like, we want more. And one of the the problems with that is when we get more and it leads us away from God. So one solution that Christians have come up with, and not just Christians, but a lot of religious movements, is, hey, you need to train yourself not to want anything. Kill, Kill your desire. If you don't want anything, then guess what? You'll always be happy. You'll always be content. Because why? You'll never want what you don't have. Nothing could be further from the truth. Listen, your desires, what you want, it is a map to the life that God has for you. The reason you can know that God is real and has something for you is because you have some want down in there. It's because you want some things. Now the problem comes is we settle. We settle, for super, we settle for superficial satisfaction rather than this shepherd. We settle for things that are temporary. We settle for things that won't last. We settle for things that, that aren't even good for us. And we think that that's going to get us and fulfill the desires that we have. Like Jesus would always ask this question to people. One of the most common questions Jesus would ask, he would be like, what do you want? I'm like, aren't you God? Don't you kind of know this? You know the answer to this? Like there's a guy who's blind one time and Jesus walks by him. He says, have mercy on me. And Jesus asks him, what do you want? Like, isn't, isn't it obvious what he wants? see, Jesus was going for more than just the physical healing of his eyes, even though that was important. He was going for the spiritual healing of the man's soul. And that's the target of God's desire. And that's the target of our shepherd. It's our soul. Like, what do you want? Have you settled for superficial satisfaction? What, What have you settled for in life? Have you settled just for being successful? Have you settled for doing what your neighbors do or your friends do? Like, what have you settled for? When the Lord's your shepherd, you don't have any wants because you have the greatest desire of your heart. The shepherd himself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He says, seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. Everything else gets thrown in on top of that. When you get your want right, man, what, what have you settled for in your life? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Then he goes on to unpack this. Verse 3 and 4, or excuse me, verse 2 and 3 says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I love that phrase. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he starts out in verse 2. The first thing he points out is lying down in green pastures. And then also this idea of leading beside still waters. Now, now what we see here is that sheep, man, they will not, they will not rest until they're free from fear. 
So the shepherd leads them into green pastures where there's no predators. He leads them beside still waters because they won't drink from running water. And so they get this idea and they get to rest. But they have to be free from fear. Let me talk about fear for just a second. Now, now we live in an age when fear is at an all-time high. I mean, I think we've all read and heard and experienced the level of anxiety that has reached epidemic proportions. People I talk to, things that I read, people that I know, man, anxiety is at all-time highs. Why is that? Now, I want to say some things. I don't want to be really direct but really kind. Now, just to set the stage for this, my dad struggled with mental health issues. So I've experienced from that side of it what that looks like, the devastation it can bring. So I don't, I don't say this as uh, someone who doesn't have compassion or some level of understanding of the depth of this. And I do believe that for anxiety specifically, fear, and there are times when you need counseling, you may need some medication, you may need some help. I, I believe that that's true. I think that statistics bear that out. But how is it that all of a sudden in the last 10 years, anxiety has just gone through the roof? Why is that? Is that a physiological problem that we're all experiencing more anxiety? I don't think it can be. It's not like all of a sudden the government put some stuff in our water where we all decided to be more anxious. And I think what we have, especially in the church, and if you fought, this is for those of you who follow Jesus, hey, it may not be a treatment issue for you. If you're honest with yourself, it may be a trust issue. It may be a faith issue. Now, I know for me, I can worry with the best of them. <laughs> I got a gold medal in worrying. And I know that for me, it, it's a trust issue. And maybe for you, if, again, it may be a treatment issue, but I think more often than not, if we're honest, it's a trust issue where we're not trusting God. And let me take it a step further because I really believe God can free you up today, right now, from anxiety. So let me take it one step further. When we see the Bible, anything not done from faith is sin. And we're not trusting our Heavenly Father to do good for us. That would be sinful. That would be an area of our lives where we need to repent. We need to turn away from that and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. My fault. It would be like one of your kids coming to you and say, I'm scared to be in the house with you. You'd be like, what do you think? Like, I don't, I, I got weapons. I can take care of you. And how would it offend our Heavenly Father who's promised to take care of us and has good for us? And today, today you can be free from anxiety and be free from fear. Now, one of the things that this anxiety does, it makes us tired, really tired. You know what I'm talking about? You've ever experienced the tiredness that comes with anxiety and fear? It can make us tired. And this passage is promising us rest. Now, one, another reason we don't get rest is because we settle for relief instead of rest. We settle for the easy and the quick, don't we? Don't we? Man, we'll come home, we're overindulged. Man, we'll get a bag of potato chips or a box of cookies. I think Girl Scouts are in season right now. A bottle of bourbon, a glass of Chardonnay, a little pornography, a little scrolling on my phone. Just numb the pain, numb the day, keep me from having to think about what's really going on. And we don't really get the real rest that's promised to us. Man, Jesus said that we can have true, deep soul rest. Man, let me ask you this. Where are you tired? Like, just do some real business in your soul today. Like, where are you tired? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about in your soul. Tired. 
And are you trying to, are you trying to medicate yourself to rest, but all you're getting is a short-term relief? Man, where are you tired? I love it when he says, he restores my soul. This picture is actually pretty humorous. So sheep have this problem that when they lay down, their wool gets heavy and they get off balance and they roll over on their backs with their legs sticking straight up in there and they can't get up. They can't get up. They fall and they fall and they can't get up. You remember that, right? They fall and they, and they have no life alert button to push to get back on their feet. They need the shepherd to pick them up and to set them right. So what it means for your soul to be restored is for God to set you right. So the shepherd will take the sheep, will set them up right, and then he has to hold them there for a minute for two reasons. Number one, all the blood flow has gone away from their legs, so their legs are asleep and they can't stand up. So if the sheep doesn't hold them for a second, they fall back down and roll back over. And then the second thing that happens is their equilibrium is off and they don't have balance. So they just kind of start walking like they are drunk half the time. I don't know what that looks like, but you do. So we'll talk about it that way. And so they, they fall over. So they have to, the sheep, the shepherd just kind of holds them there for a minute. He sets them right. This is what it means to be restored. And so what David is writing is that all of us like sheep, we need to be restored. We need to be set right at some times. And what that means is that we need to be set right so that we can walk in the confidence and the clarity of the call that God has put on our heart. Like that we can have the purpose that we're supposed to have, that we don't settle for smaller things. We don't settle for relief, that we can walk with confidence and clarity. Now, listen, we're, we've all been created uniquely. And we all have this purpose in life. Now, a little side note on that. We don't worship our purpose. We worship our shepherd. Amen, somebody? Like so many times we start looking for purpose. And guess who's the center of that? Me. Is that a way to live? No. Anytime life's about me, it's a bad day. Anytime your life's about you, it's a bad day. So the shepherd is the one who provides purpose. But we do get to walk in the confidence and the understanding that we've been created uniquely. That the shepherd actually cares for us and has compassion on us, doesn't want to condemn us and control us. And sometimes we just need to step into the restoration of our souls and live with the confidence that God has called us to walk into. Listen, I can tell you right now, ladies, let me let you on a little secret. There's not a man that you see or sitting next to or know that's not insecure about something. Hello? Sorry, guys. Like there's not a man that's not insecure about something in his life. There's some, there's some question he's always asking. And there's not a lady in here who doesn't, doesn't have this doubt about her beauty and attractiveness and value. Man, we all live in this insecurity because we don't have our eyes on the shepherd. Amen. It reminds me of this quote from Marianne Williamson. She uh, actually, it's attributed to Nelson Mandela, but nobody can really figure out why. But she wrote this quote and it goes something like this. is our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be talented or gorgeous, or brilliant, or fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You're playing small does not serve the world. You're, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking back so that others won't feel insecure around you. We were all born to make manifest the glory of God. That is within us. And it's not just in some of us. It's in all of us. Man, and as we... And if we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. And as we're liberated from our fear, man, our life automatically liberates others. Like this is what it means to walk with your eyes on the, sh on the shepherd. Can I just tell you that you were made for more today? 
Can I just tell you, you were made for more joy, more peace, more purpose, more meaning, more kindness, more laughter. Can I just tell you, you were made for more. God wants to restore your soul when you put eyes on the shepherd. He restores my soul. Let's jump down into verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, David had walked through a lot of valleys in his life, literal and spiritual. And he walked through some physical battles in his life. He'd walked through some dark, dark times in his life. And he says, I won't fear even the valley of the shadow of death. You know, sheep are afraid of their own shadow, even though there's nothing to be afraid of. And one of the greatest fears that people have is this fear of death. And for some of you today, it's gripping you. It's got a chokehold on your life. And only when you begin to deal with your death can you truly have life. You know, Charles Spurgeon, who was a great pastor from a couple centuries ago, was writing about death and the shadow of death idea. And here's what he wrote. He says, death and its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Someone has said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so, where, so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon him casts a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond the shadow of death. Nobody should be afraid of a shadow. Shadow can't stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog can't bite. The shadow of a sword can't kill. And the shadow of death cannot destroy us. And we, we, we become afraid of the shadow of death. We were to pastors offsite last week, just doing some planning and dreaming for the future. And one late one evening, we're out sitting around. And I began to talk about these thoughts I'd had about my death a couple of days before. And I'd, I was having this conversation about what I would say to each of my children. And I was passing that along to the guys on the team. And be sure you tell these, this kid this and this kid that. I told him to say you were my favorite, John. Um, but um, tell hey, here's what I want you to tell my wife. And, of course, I look up and everybody's just weeping, including me. But I think that only by normalizing that conversation at a time can you really get free from it. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it. I can, just, I can be honest, even as a pastor. But we don't have to be afraid of it. Man, our shepherd conquered death. He's going to lead us through. We, we know that, man, heaven is not worthy to be compared with anything that we've ever experienced. That these light and momentary afflictions, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that's waiting for us. Man, when your eyes are on the shepherd, he's going to escort you safely through death. The valley of the shadow of death. David's also talking about, because it's in the present tense, he's also talking about the valleys we go through today. Like some of you are in some valleys right now. You've been through some valleys this year. Man, you may be in the valley of miscarriage, the valley of infertility, the valley of divorce. You may be in the valley of addiction. You may just be in the valley of a, you know, a financial valley. Like we go through valleys, but we have a promise that we don't have to be scared. We don't have to live in fear. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Let me ask you this question. Like, where do you need protection today? What part of your soul needs protection? Man, where, where do you feel like you're about to go under? You're about undone. You don't know how to handle it. Hey, the shepherd, the shepherd's got you. It goes on in verse 5 and 6. 
He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he talks about just being in the presence of our enemies because we know that we can even celebrate even when bad things are happening. That we can have joy when things don't look good. That we can have this deep-seated sense of hope even though our circumstances are difficult and look like certain destruction. He prepares a table before us, the presence of our enemies. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, here's what's cool about this idea of oil. Oil is a term of respect. So, you know, most of us would probably think a shepherd would say to a sheep, you stupid sheep, why'd you walk over the cliff? That was dumb. And some of us have this view of God. That in our mistakes, in our sin, in our struggles, in our darkness, that God's looking, us, looking at us with this, this level of uh, condemnation. But this tells us he's not. It's respect and love and honor. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And I love this. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now let's get this image clear. Goodness and mercy. Goodness is just God's goodness that he has good for us. He's not out to kill you. He's out to save you. Mercy is just his steadfastness. And when those two come together, it's this family term of relationship. So you have this family term of a shepherd who's coming after us. And it says follows you. But actually that word means chases you down. He's not just following you because if someone's following you, you're suspicious, aren't you? And if someone's chasing you and they have a gun, you are running. (laughs) But if they have goodness and mercy for you, man, you just want to stop and get caught. And like, I don't know why you've been running. And I don't know where you've run to. But aren't you tired of running? Man, we all know what it's like to run. Man, we've all gone our own way. And there's a better way to live. Man, the goodness of the shepherd. Man, man, these words, they're a declaration and they're a decision. The Lord is my shepherd. They're a declaration of this truth that God came and wants to shepherd us, wants to give us direction, wants to care for us, wants to lift us up and restore us. He wants to give us rest. But you know what? It's also a decision that we have to make. Man, there's a decision that we make in order to follow God. And for many people today, you're at a crossroads. And, you, and you, you have to decide, like, the pressure's not on me today, the pressure's on you. Man, for some guys in the room, you know, you've kind of done your thing to, to climb the ladder, to be successful, and at times at the expense of your family. And you haven't been the one to lead out in your home. You haven't even thought about God or prayer. And it's been your wife that's done that, and you know you'll get around to it one day. Hey, let me talk to the, the, the husbands in the room for just a minute. Let me just tell you something. Look right at me. Hey, lead your family. Lead, lead your family. You know what your family, they don't, need, they don't need a BMW when they get their driver's license, man. They need a dad who's got some character and stability, who looked past the immediate and how good it was going to make him look and looked into eternity. Man, lead your family. You can do that. God's equipped you to do that. You may feel inadequate. You've got the tools that you need. If you don't, we can get them to you. you will, that will be a life you will never regret lead your family and there's some ladies in here and you're just angry you're angry at the world and you're angry at your marriage you're angry that you're not married you're angry that you don't have kids or you're angry because you got the wrong kids man 
Man, there's this deep-seated anger in there and nobody knows about it. But, but you push it down, you hold it down because you know that, that wouldn't be what you'd want to be known for. And you're angry at God for some reason. Man, you got God who's a shepherd. Man, there's some couples in here. You're on the brink of divorce. You may already be there. And you don't know how it happened, but you don't want to ask anybody to help because that will make you look like you're not like everybody else because everybody else's marriage seems so great. Like, why do you care? Like, why, why do we care so much what someone else is going to say when we're struggling and strangling ourselves? Man, you may be struggling with addiction today. It may be anxiety, fear of death. Let me tell you what, the Lord is my shepherd. It's more than a, mega, it's more than a metaphor today. It's a megaphone to call you to the life that you really, really want. Let's pray together. So we're just going to take a moment right now. I mean, this is a holy moment. If we could just be really still and just do some business. Maybe it's the questions that we talked about earlier. You know, maybe God's pressed something in your heart already. You know, maybe you're struggling with whether you really believe that the shepherd loves you or if he's even real. But some of you know, man, you know today's your day to follow the shepherd. Today's your day. And and what I want to do is just help you do that. It's the kind of church we are. We're equipping, we're training. Man, we're not about entertaining. We're about real steps with a real God to impact our everyday life. And if that's you today, you know you need to just finally get eyes off of you and get your eyes on the shepherd. I just want to lead you in a prayer today. And the, what a prayer is, is just a commitment that you make in your heart. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me again, if that's you. Dear God, I followed my own direction. I want to follow your direction today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, the times I've gone my own way. Restore my soul today, Lord. You know, the Bible teaches us if you did that, it immediately you're a new person. And you get new motivations. You get new inspiration. You get a new outlook on life. You live for a different, you live for a different time. You begin to live for eternity. And if that was you today, I just want to help you mark the moment. So we're just going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. If that was you today, I just want to help you mark the moment. I'm going to do something real simple. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand in the air. And let's just make eye contact, just me and you, just a way that you can just symbolize looking up to follow the shepherd. On the count of three, one, two, three. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Got you. That's amazing. Thank you. Lord, I just pray for those that raise their hand. God, so... God, that even after 22 years of ministry, God, that you're still in a business of changing lives, Lord. And God, I just pray today that, man, we would walk differently. We'd see you differently, that Psalm 23 wouldn't just be a metaphor and it would be marching orders for us today. God, I pray for those who are struggling, whether it's darkness, bitterness, unforgiveness, judgmentalism, Pride, gossip, 
Lord, you just convict our hearts, Lord, that we be the kind of people you want us to be because it's what's good for us. It's what we really want. And God, I pray, man, that you would just continue to remind us that that the reason why we should want you is because you're everything we've ever been looking for. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.